Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we take another pass at some old favorites. Can Song of Creation take center stage after some of the recent set releases? And how did Brian end up back on Bolas's Citadel? Have a sip of your Blink Moth tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Visions. Welcome to episode 27 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from the studio where the Song of Creation was first recorded. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is the man who first composed the Song of Creation, Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? Ooh, I am so good, man. Um, I'm, I'm, I finally got some uh, digital audio workstations, or DAWs, to fiddle around with on my computer. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. So you guys may hear a remastered Serum Visions theme song and etc., um, hopefully by next podcast, I, 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 there've been, there has been a weirdly randomly huge amount of stuff to do like stream wise, magic wise, um, this week in modern is going to be starting up again. So, and, uh, and then I've been too busy nice. winning these trophies. I got three Ugh. trophies in two days. I'm just, must be a hard life. It's so, it's so hard. It's so, you don't even know. You don't even know, man, the pressure once you start succeeding, <laughs> I watched the um, the Nahiri boom list, and man, that looked so much fun. It it was, but then I ran it back last night to a four a one four. I and, saw that. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah, it, it was sloppy it was, to say the least. It was sloppy, but also like this, the draws were bad too. Yeah, like, yeah. it was just you know, um, yeah. I do appreciate those those you know sort of back to back runs because there are nights where I am feeling so good about a deck and then I'm like yeah. oh four and I'm like I I feel like this deck is better than this and it really turns out the variance can be a real bitch sometimes and I, I you know that's sometimes it is uh, and I think I think I will have some of those stories uh, later on Ooh. but. Uh, mm. Before then, also joining us is the jeweler who first theorized that mana could be extracted from the remains of a mosquito trapped inside of ancient Mox Amber, Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? I'm doing very well again. You know, I gotta say, I did kind of uh, scoop that hypothesis from Jurassic Park, the movie. You know, I just thought, it's like, man, this looks so tempting. I wonder if we can apply this from dinosaurs to Moxin. And turned out you can, because nobody really knows how Moxin work. Uh, but they work, and... You know, I love Mox Amber, honestly. I wish it were Opal, but, you know, I picked Ugh. up my Mox Ambers at, like, $4 each. Way, like, this is, like, right when Dominaria Hell came yeah. out. And then they're, like, $40, $50. It's wild. Like, no one even plays that. Now, even, even, like, even the decks that play only play, like, one or two. Oh, well, except mine. But it's just, it's wild. Like, why is that, why is that so much so expensive? Yeah. I, probably Commander. I don't know. I don't know if Commander plays it at all, but I just have to assume Commander. Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be. I have no other. Modern definitely doesn't play it. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, but I, I did the same thing. I picked them up for about four bucks, and I remember the employee at my LGS being like, why are you buying these? Why would you pay for this? <laughs> Dreams. Like, It'll be good one day. Dreams and hopes. Well, yeah. I mean, free spells, trigger stuff, um, free mana pays for other stuff. Even if it's restricted, you know, there, there's... There's almost always a way that it's gonna uh, it's going to to make make some hay. So, um, I, I I say this full well knowing that Mox Tantalite will creep back into a deck list again someday. But yes. oh no. no, don't tempt me. If, if, if you're gonna if do Lotus, it, if Lotus Bloom can be playable, maybe Mox Tantalite can be right. I mean, I've tried Soul Talisman, uh. and that is definitely not playable. <laughs> oh no, Soul Talisman's so much better than Tantalite though. With it, reshape. It, with reshape? <laughs> I don't even know, though, because, like, costing one to suspend on the first turn is not great. Like, at least hand light is free. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Well, like, I guess I, I wasn't suspending either of them, so that's... Yeah, I mean, if you want to do those shenanigans, you know, there's, there might be a world in which... Uh, Soul Talisman is more playable than Tantalite, but if you're trying to just <laughs> fairly suspend it on turn one, uh, Soul Talisman does not feel very good. I've tried yeah yeah no i'm with you on that one uh one day one day maybe with uh the return to dominaria we'll get uh mox amber two uh that is you know somehow less restrictive or something i mean if anything it's gonna be brothers war like i wouldn't be surprised if there's like oh, yeah, a new fair. mox opal that's like med that's like colorless taps for colorless or something which would still probably be yeah. busted i mean i still put it in my decks but it's gonna be kind of sad yeah <laughs> until yeah. it's glorious like you know Mo Mo mox amber was like oh we got so shafted said so many people and then it started doing busted things in almost every format it's been playable in Kethis combo and pioneer there's a mono blue storm list and standard at the time and then there's all the crazy things we do so maybe we will get a mox that is like metalcraft but um there will be one for uh mishra and one for urza <laughs> And the Mishra one, if you control um, three or more uh, assembly workers, and then the Urza one, if you control three or more constructs, it'll produce mana. Or lands with the Urza type. Oh. But there's, <laughs> there's maybe so we'll get many lands with the Mishra type. Hmm? Oh. That would be that would be pretty pretty great. I. I I gotta say, in terms of random speculation, that would be really really funny. Hire us, Watsy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, this is the kind of deep cut, well thought out design that you should be looking for. I will. Uh. All of these, you know, Wizards works two years in advance of everything because they have to make sure like they're supplying their production stuff. So I believe, in theory, like the Brothers War set is already finished and like probably in. Production yeah, it, it should it should be it should be finished or close to it. Yeah, yeah. So um, who knows? Yeah, exciting. Yep, yep. yep. Well. Uh, in other exciting news, uh, as we discussed um, in our last regular episode, because we had a bonus episode in between uh, today and our last episode, uh, we hit the one-year marker, and we announced a, a bit of a giveaway uh, on air here, and um, I went ahead, and right before we started recording, I got all of the names of the people who submitted an entry for a... Uh, Secret Lair Seeing Visions, and I used a random number generator to pick somebody from that list, and congratulations to The Last God 51. Ooh. 
you will be receving a secret layer seeing visions. Yeah, exciting. Whee! Congratulations. Yeah, very much congratulations. Yeah. So uh, I will be getting in contact with you for that and sending that out in the next couple of weeks. And uh, keep an eye on our Twitter because we have another one of these to give away. But this one we're going to announce more broadly. So there will be fierce competition Ooh. from the Twitterverse. Nice. Uh, yeah, what, what is, this modern metagame has been pretty wild. I mean... We, Whoever wrote this describes it as stable, um, and I, I, I believe that is uh, a rune. Yeah, right? yeah. I would definitely say it's um, stable. Well, I mean, it's stable as in, like, you know, anything is viable, but it's not like seeing these, you just like, you know, there's not really too many new wild decks popping up. Uh, I will say that I kind of fucking hate Ravagan now. I used to be like, oh, ha ha, Ravagan is cute. <laughs> uh, and, you know, kind of okay, but. It just, especially, I mean, I don't you know, maybe it's just my decks have so many good Ragavan hits, but like, I was playing against Monterey Eldrazi in the showcase, and I crushed them game one. Game two, I mold to six, and it's like a pretty medium six, and it's like, okay, you know, like, I don't have room for Ragavan, but like, you know, whatever. Let's hope they don't have it again, because game one, they had turn one Ragavan on the play, but I still crushed them. Uh, so, of course, they mold to six, two, their play, turn one Ragavan. Okay, great. You know, like, going well so far. I have nothing. Uh, turn one land go for me. Them swing with Ragavan, connects, takes my freaking Mox Amber. Those bastards. Like, every time a Ragavan <laughs> hits a Mox Amber, I just die inside. Oof. And then they Oof. go land Thought Not Seer, and it's just like fuck me. Like this is. Have you thought? Have you thought of trying to play Indomitable Creativity? See, it goes all backwards. You put these dwarf tokens into play basically for free, and then sometimes your opponent's like drown in the lock, and you're like, okay. <laughs> Sweet. I mean, if That's... I played, if I played creativity, I mean, oh no, I I'll would, never financially recover from this. I would mulligan to six, not have Renin six or removal, and my opponent would go turn one Ragavan, smack me, and hit my Renin six. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah, I mean, you, you are playing Renin six, but Renin six is not always easy for them to get. Um, just like color wise, sometimes they miss it if they if they hit that on turn two, they might not be able to cast it. But yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of uh, uh, Ragavan and Renin Six, uh, Jund uh, Sagavan won the showcase challenge yesterday, which is oh, uh, no. pretty pretty exciting. Honestly, no, no, I think that's great. I don't get it. Like Jund Sagavan is, I don't. know, Every time I face the deck, I've been like pretty unimpressed. The only times it really thwomps me is if they have like those double Tarmogoyf draws that are just like six sevens on turn three. Uh, that's an issue. The other thing too is like. The mana is terrible. Like, Urza Saga in a three-color deck is not good. Like, oh, people, oh, yeah, it can work, it can work. You know, like, it can work if you draw well. But, like, as someone who has tried sticking Urza Saga in, like, one through five-color decks, I can I can assure you that, like, there's a strict drop-off after two. Yeah, and in, I will say, in a two-day span on both Aspiring Spike's channel and Jacob Comiskey's channel, and I think on my own stream, uh, I saw Jun Sagavan on the other side of the table play against someone, lose game one, looking entirely like Black Red Luris. And then in game two, they started playing, and it was like, wait, they're playing green? Because the, their mana was just so bad, they never found any green, and they lost the game ones usually because they had, like, you know, we don't know, but, like, maybe two Tarmogoyfs and a Renin Six in hand that they could literally never cast. But, but, for all the things we're criticizing for, um... And this is really funny because last night someone on my stream who 
self-admittedly, they were like, I think I'm a little bit tilted. But they were like, you can't play fair decks in modern anymore. And it's like, no, no, no. It's the exact opposite. Everything is super fair right now, um, by and large. And the problem is, if you want to play a fair deck that's not at the top, top, tuned up monstrosity level of... Um, Jun Sagavan or Blue Red Murktide. Elementals. Or, um, I mean, I wouldn't call Elementals fair just because they do a lot of uh, pitch spells and, and Ephemerate is definitely does not feel like a fair card when you're doing it that way. But yeah, close enough. It, it is trying to win through creature combat, right? And that's kind of one of the, 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 the hallmarks of a fair deck, in my opinion, is like if you took the an average player who's used to playing exclusively limited and you watch them, they, they would watch this deck play, would they consider that to be like a game of magic? And most, like, even Elementals kind of falls into that category of like, mm. oh yeah, that's like, they attacked with a bunch of like 3-2s and 4-4s, you know? Most of the time. Most fair, of the time fair. it looks like that. Sometimes is, they Omnath combo you. This is great though. That means I'm definitely playing an unfair deck. Right, and exactly. So here's the thing, is that Jun Sagavan is particularly vulnerable to an unfair deck, especially in game one. Like, they're just not... Like, they have a couple thought seasons and stuff, but, like, everyone is is really warped around dealing with Ragavan right now. Even, even your deck. You were like, I'm going to play Lightning Bolts, and I'm going to play, like... Or I'm going to play Metallic Rebukes, and it's like, yeah, but if they resolve a Ragavan on turn one, you're you're not. Like, you're just going to lose, is what you're going to do. Yeah. So, Grr. you have, everyone has to have some kind of point-and-click removal in the early game, just because that's what the, the format is so much coalesced around. Um, and I was asked last night, what do you think the, the most popular decks at Vegas will be? And so, that's just a really great way to cover what is the top of the metagame. It's blue-red Murktide, it's Hammer Time, it's uh, blue-white control, almost always splashing red, usually splashing at least a little bit of extra colors to upgrade their prismatic endings. Um, both the Cascade variants, Teamer and um, Living End, and um, I, th I feel like there's one more. I think there's six. So we got the Murktide, we got the Sagavan, we got the two Cascades, we got Hammer Time and Control. Yeah, there we go. Um, and then underneath that is, you know, a, a roiling pot of, um, of you know, uh, E-Tron, Green-Tron, Amulet, Titan, Burn. There were three Burn decks in the top eight of the uh, Showcase Challenge yesterday somehow. So that's pretty unexpected. Yeah, that's why I didn't even face a single Burn deck in the Swiss. Yeah, and, and you went deep. Um, uh, your run was pretty good. Yeah, I, I played all nine rounds. And you missed out on the top uh, 16, 32 yeah. breakers? Yeah, I think maybe 16 to 32. My opponent in, uh, after round nine, my opponent, I think he was like, they were 13th. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's it's not, not necessarily how it works, but I definitely would have been top 32 and maybe top 16. My breakers were pretty decent. You, you were six and three. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was six and right. two going into the last round, and then I was. Oh six yeah, and yeah. Two. So yeah, if if you had won, you would have been uh, uh, close to top sixteen, if not in the top sixteen. Yep. Um, and actually, seven and two. Yeah, the 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 person who won the challenge was the one seven and two that snuck into the top eight. Just for sneaky. reference. Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but at six and three, there was a good chance you would have made top 32 and, and, and got the posting anyway. But that, that is an amazing showing for um, Breach, and I'm sure we'll have a link to your current version of that. Uh, definitely, just with definitely. Obviously, obviously the caveat that um, this is like a uh, sharp knife in the kitchen. Jiggy, Jiggy knows how to use it, but, you know, just don't go picking it up and waving it around if you uh, think you're going to get any game wins with it. It is difficult to play. Yeah, they were... I 
it's i mean i'll talk about this more when we get to the section but i had to sure. take some absurd lines that, like i've never had to yeah take you before that were just like you amazing. were mentioning it and, just, and hearing you say that, like, you're like, I'm mid-challenge, and I have to keep doing things I've never done before. I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? Yeah, it, it was nuts. Uh, that's I'm cool, excited though. to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was it's, super exciting. Always always exciting to, uh, to, to be, you know, in the thick of it and realize some really complex or cool line that's just like, oh... I would not have seen this three months ago or like, yep, yep. you know, yeah, yeah. The, it's, there's so much reward for like the more you play the deck. It's, I've not really, I don't think I've actually played the deck this deep since birthing pod, like in 2011, 2012 modern, like I, I played that, I played the hell out of that deck, but this is similar where, you know, I finally gone so deep that I'm, I'm really being rewarded. And I think a lot, I'm sure a lot of decks are like that, you know, like when, <laughs> when I watched Zach play, when I was watching Zach play creative or watching Zach play turned I'm, I'm thinking in my head like, oh, you know, like I would like snap this bolt off on that, you know, no, no brainer. And Zach's like, I'm just going to pass. I'm just like, the fuck are you doing, Zach? But then Zach wins the match. And it's just like, you know, clearly he knows what he's doing and I don't. Yeah, you just, I mean, it's, it's just like the, the, the breach deck. Like you have to know the, the strength of your deck and the overall strategy you're trying to employ. And I think that's why the Jun deck from the outside oftentimes looks weak to people because they're like, oh, all your little threats are so middling, and it's like, yeah, but they will just grind you to the dust when you run into a good player. They just grind you into the dust. Yep, it's, yep. it's really brutal. And Hammer Time is the same. Um, when you run into an inexperienced Hammer Time player, they look a lot like an inexperienced uh, Infect player. They just kind of like do the thing, and then if you have removal, they're like, oh, well, now this game's going to be really hard. But the good Hammer players, they don't kill you until you're tapped down, and they'll just mm -hmm. constantly pressure you and eventually either needle you to death or you'll tap down and, and be like, well, this is the one turn I need them not to have it. And it's like, well, you've been waiting seven turns. They have two hammers now. You're very, <laughs> yep. very dead. Um, yep. Yeah, so... Uh, and, and, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, I feel like this metagame really rewards, um, like, deep metagame knowledge, deep deck knowledge. Yep, yep, the yep. current trophy board leader is the one and only Jacob Kaminsky, the pen sword. And most of his cha his his trophies, I know this now from uh, facts last night expressed on his channel. Se seven out of nine of his trophies are on Blue Moon, and not the same list, different lists he's been iterating on. And nobody, and I mean nobody, was playing Blue Moon at the beginning of um, the Innistrad season. Yep. Uh, everyone was on Blue Red Merc Tide. It was widely accepted as the superior Blue Red deck. There was just no reason to play something so silly as Blue Moon. And there was no reason to do all the crazy experiments he's done. So if people are interested in watching the Trophy Leader, you can do that most days now at uh, twitch.com slash Jacob Kumiski, C-U-M-I-S-K-E-Y. Um, and he is, uh, he's a, he's a fun guy to watch play too. Um, and then, uh, he also had two trophies with burn. So turns out burn's pretty good. But the, the point is that if you're just like so passionate about that deck right now and you can experiment with the tools, you can do some amazing stuff. Um, cave Dan, of course, of the faithless brewing podcast, uh, went deep on otherworldly gaze yes. and it was it, it is i think it's it's insane in phoenix i i flopped around my way through a league on his phoenix list and i 5-0'd with it i and, saw that and that i was... was i was 4080 going into the last round and we lost one game to mill but we won the match like 
un unreal. Yeah, I don't, unreal. I was watching you just like flounder, like you're like fish out of water, flopping around those games, just punting left and right, and it's just like somehow you I still crush your opponent. It was it, it just it just the the deck carried like it's got so much power in it. Um, and obviously, uh, otherworldly gaze. We we talked about it here on the podcast. I was a little bit critical of it. I think, and I think. It highlighted to me, and I think I conclude. We conclude conclude the meta discussion here by saying uh, the modern zeitgeist is in a really weird place right now because I feel like a lot of the big streamers, and this is maybe just a product of them streaming all the time and getting the same questions all the time. I I always hear them like throw around these very definitive words and strong opinions on stuff. Um, Spike ran into blue green infect, called it unplayable, died to it, still said it was unplayable, and. Like, I'm not criticizing him for that because I think it's just a product of being a streamer and having to answer the same questions all the time about people's pet cards and people's pet <laughs> decks and all sorts of things like that. But, you know, I, I like how I live with a much lower bar for the word playable. Playable to me is you can construct a deck that if you put in the time and effort, you can start going 3-2 consistently in leagues and 4-1 and 5-0 occasionally. That's what I have as a benchmark of playable and yep. I, I think you guys kind of share that for me is like because a lot of our experiments we're, we're picking cards that are on the fringes of people's knowledge and saying mm -hmm. why hasn't anyone done this thing yet or why hasn't anyone tried these combinations of things yet and let's see how far we can push them because um, sometimes it's not obvious and sometimes these end up being a really big deal cave dan was w maybe the only person i really heard going to bat for otherworldly gaze and i am now convinced that it is almost the power level of like faithless looting like and and maybe that's that's a bit of an exaggeration but i'm like i'm really serious it is way better than you think it is zach 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 yep. how could you yep. do our dearest brian so dirty like that <laughs> oh no no and that's what i was coming back to is brian was the person on this podcast i was i meant to come back to it i, w I definitely forgot to <laughs> but Brian was the person on this podcast who was like, I don't know, guys. I think this is kind of good. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I've heard people say it yeah, doesn't draw like, a card. Like, I mean, Brian, you're drunk. Go go home. Like, otherworldly <laughs> gaze? Like, that's card, you know, it's not card advantage. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, and uh, it, so it, as, we get, as we get to uh, Brian's brew of the week to talk about, um, I think otherworldly gaze could be insane there. I just yeah, say, I, no bit of uh, egg on my face. Brian was correct. I got to say that now. No, I and 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 I take my bumps. Uh, yeah, take my bumps. Was, yeah, uh, yeah, it, absolutely. It, in fairness, when you are like me, you see cards and you're like, oh yeah, that's playable. Oh yeah, that that's playable. <laughs> eventually, and, uh, eventually, you're gonna have a hit, right? Stop. Exactly. Stop the clock is right twice a day. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I've said this before, but I'm a bit of a. Um, uh, a card romantic, I believe, in each and every card and its <laughs> special individual properties. Um, you know, so I, I do think that there is a place for a lot of cards out there, and and sometimes those decks aren't good. But yeah, this one just you know I played a lot of um, surveil control in standard when the surveil mechanic had first come out. And I just remember wishing over and over that there were more cards that surveilled because I realized what a powerful ability it was. And while I wish that it was keyworded as surveil on otherworldly gaze, just knowing that you could mill three for a single blue mana and, you know, if there's actually something good on top, not mill it is, uh, I don't know, it seems like a pretty big deal. And I guess that's bearing out in the right decks. I think it's also important to point out that this is not faithless looting in the sense that you're just going to jam it into um you know every 
graveyard strategy necessarily. Like I think that there is a component of you need to be aware of the downsides, the fact that it doesn't draw you a card, the fact that it's not pitching cards from your hand. You know, it's not it's not helping you pitch those phoenixes that are in your hand, and that's actually a big deal sometimes. It's it's a huge deal, but um, Cave Dan's deck is not like he took the other successful phoenix deck and yep. just pulled out four cards and put in other worldly gaze. He asked the question, if I'm going to play this card, how am I going to change the rest of it to maximize that, which he did by playing Ox of Agonis and Murktide Regent. So you can find the video of my 5-0, which has the link to Cave Dan's thing. You should all be listening to Faithless Brewing every week. Definitely. Um, yeah, they just have fantastic insight, fantastic um, uh, ideas. Uh, Dave, Damon, and Dan. I mean, they're just, uh, they, they just, they're the reason this, this podcast exists in the first place. And uh, they still continue to be a font of uh, knowledge and, and wisdom and uh, controversy. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so, uh, 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 otherworldly gaze with the, the week one to week two glow up. Um, let's, let's see if, uh, if it's able to find more homes. And, uh, more importantly, let's see if anyone's able to take, Dan's Phoenix list into a higher level of competition at some point. Um, some people were saying they were surprised that I didn't do it. And <laughs> after having that mind melting league, I'm like, I can't play this in a challenge. I would, I would die of yep. stress and, and mental exhaustion. There's like you just, you, you need more reps. Like, so I many would never decisions, so many forks you can yeah. take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, don't miss the end step and or upkeep upkeep. Very important in your Phoenix deck upkeep otherworldly gaze oh my god just just broken it's broken yeah it's good it's very good okay you you're making me want to take this deck for a spin now Hell i'm yeah. just saying I, put 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 that card in breach put that card in song creation which we should go talk about yeah uh well then let's take a, a quick break here and when we come back we'll actually uh, we'll dive into the song of creation list All right, welcome back. So, uh, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, this week is all about Song of Creation, sort of, kind of. Um, so, I uh, had been kicking around, you know, wanting to return to Song of Creation for a little while. There had been plenty of new sets that had come out since I had last played a song list. Um, and this particular list didn't really come together until I spent a bunch of time trying to make the Silvergak lists work. And at the time that I was playing Silvergak, there was just a ton of artifact hate out there, um, you know, for various reasons, uh, Urza's Saga and Affinity lists and all that sort of stuff. Um, there were a bunch of Blood Moons, so the Tron lands weren't working out particularly well. It was just a very, very hostile couple of weeks to try and play Silvergak. And so... Um, <laughs> You know, maybe this is something that I should have realized about myself earlier, but I think I really like storm mechanics. Uh, <laughs> I like uh -oh. casting a lot of spells on a turn. Uh, uh -oh. it sounds like we have a dirty combo player among us. I mean, there's absolutely no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> play my breach. Play my breach list, Brian. I I uh, I definitely need to. I actually considered putting it together in paper. Um, but sick. I think I should practice I, it online first. I have it in paper. It's like it's man, it's awesome. I, I didn't know. Think I think I have all the cards for it. 
You probably do. I mean, we. <laughs> I imagine if you like, you took a Venn diagram of cards Brian has and cards Arun has. It's like almost a full circle. <laughs> uh, so yeah, failing with the Silvergack lists uh, and failing at Symbolus's Citadel lists led me to Song of Creation. Um, I was thinking, you know, there might be some upside to drawing cards to hand, and there might be some things we can play with in regards to the discard trigger. Uh, and stuff like that and you know modern horizons 2 had come out and i thought it provided some good new tools um so uh the other thing that i had been seeing is a bunch of like lavinia and graph diggers cage and draneth magistrate type cards um at, you know both for graveyard decks and you know tron and things like that so and i was really just getting hosed yeah exactly i was getting hosed by every incidental hate card out there uh, <laughs> i hate that so hate song that so much yeah well and songs seem to you know dodge all of those so uh what i came up with was a song list that has 19 lands so we're in teamer um i've got four urza saga in there which is probably a mistake because uh Urza Saga in three color lists is incredibly difficult, um, just, but I do yeah. mitigate that. <laughs> Especially when you want to cast a four drop. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do mitigate that somewhat because I am running four Mox Amber, uh, I am running four Ragavan, I am running four Strike It Rich, and so those are mm. all additional ways to make some mana, fix some colors. Um, and so the list here is four Asmore, four Mox Amber, four Burning Rootwalla, or Blazing Rootwalla, four Ragavan, four Strike It Rich, four Gilded Goose, four Underworld Cookbook, one Thassa's Oracle, four Expressive Iteration, four Kinnon, and four Song of Creation. Uh, so what am I pretty looking clean... at here, Brian? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty clean list uh, in terms of everything is basically a four of except for the Thassa's Oracle. Um and the idea here is that in the early game, you just want to get some chip damage in. You want to, you know, kind of have a, a backup beatdown plan if the song thing doesn't really work out. Um, and actually, in playing this, I ended up killing people more often with the mid-range beatdown plan than I did with the song combo plan. Uh, it turns out Blazing Root Walla was actually surprisingly good. Like, huh. I don't know. Anytime that you get to cast a free creature and somebody spends removal on it and then the next turn you can like dash your ragavan and they don't have any removal you feel like you just cheated somehow um mm. so that was pretty sweet <laughs> uh urza's saga you know it does make the mana super difficult and i felt like it forced me into this mid-range plan a lot more than the combo plan you know you get your saga down you start making constructs and it's like well i'm gonna go down a land i Really, I just want to spend my mana on making these constructs at this point. Um, you know, the Mox Ambers and the cookbooks and being able to pitch extra Asmos or being able to pitch extra Ragavans to make food was really handy. Um, so, yeah, altogether, I don't know. I felt like this actually had a pretty strong mid-range plan, but I wasn't comboing very often. Um, expressive Iteration, as you've said multiple times in the past, is pretty cracked. This card is quite good uh if you have a good way to utilize it and i felt like this deck was doing exactly what it was looking to do you know i'd go into turn three uh with no land in hand i'd cast my expressive iteration i'd find my land drop and you know maybe play something else um 
maybe make construct token and then really be set up to go off on the next turn. Although then I would end up just making more constructs and beating down. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe I built a more functional mid-range deck here than I did a, uh, a combo deck. Um, I will say, as with most Song of Creation decks, um, the Thassa's Oracle kill is actually really tricky here. So unlike something like a Grinding Breach, where you can just grind yourself and mill all these cards, uh, Song of Creation has a mandatory draw trigger. And so if your Thassa's Oracle is one of the last cards in your deck, you can kill yourself by being forced to draw on an empty library, uh, which I did um, before, unfortunately. Uh, And it also just makes the sequencing harder. I, as someone who has had a lot of experience with Thassa's Oracle and Song of Creation, I love that you included Kinnan in these lists. What I would do oftentimes is like when you're down to the end of your library and just like you're out, you know, Oracle's down there, you can just flip it off of Kinnan and you probably have the mana. Oh, yeah. So if you get get your deck down to five cards and you're like, deterministically, the Oracle is one of these five cards and I have 13 floating mana because I have a Kinnan in play. Yep. Um... Yeah, that that and that should be very possible, right? Because with Strike It Rich, yep, Mox Amber's, uh, and all of, well, I, I guess that's it. But between those two cards, it feels like maybe you should do it. You yeah, I mean, you, you only need seven. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but no, that, is there anything two, else? Two that embers puts you up on mana, and I guess that's two embers and three Strike It Rich. Or three embers yeah. and one strike at rich. That seems pretty good. Gilded doable. Goose puts you up on mana. If you Does have Gilded the food lane or Yeah, if it's already well, in play, though. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I wouldn't count that, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's fair. It'll probably um, be close, but I think you can do it most of the time. You know, it's Are most... you not playing any Springleaf drums? The the list is cut off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Brian, uh, drunk. No Springleaf in this one. You need, you okay, need one. You should be playing leaf. at least one because you're playing Urza's Saga. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. I mean that's I mean that's just an oversight. Um, yep. In yep. in its own way, but um, you know what though, I love the idea of this um, with having the mid range plan with Song of Creation. I mean, Jiggy has said at least once before already that Urza's Saga is the new Uro. Um, oh yeah. In that uh, <laughs> in that you can throw it into these decks. No, but you can throw it into these other these decks that otherwise don't have a particularly strong mid range plan, and it doesn't take much to push them from having no mid-range plan basically at all to having a pretty good ability to defend themselves from, you know, uh, burn in the early game. Like, this this is a perfect deck that should be playing one of Shadow Spear, just because mm-hmm. a bunch of games against burn, you're just going to be like, turn one Saga, artifact, strike it rich, just keep the treasure in play, make a 4-4 construct, put a spear on it, and then just go, yep. go to town. Like Yeah. And, it's in the sideboard, and, uh, which I think it's, it's good that it's included, but... You know, I don't. I think it should probably be main deck. I do love. Mm. I see you have Aetherflex Reservoir in the sideboard. The other thing that <laughs> when I've been messing Dream with, big baby. When I've been messing with the song lists, something that I've messed with and I kind of want to go back to, but you know, I've been I've been too in love with Breach to kind of move off of it for now. Uh, but uh, hold on, give me a second. Wish? Huh? Yes, yes, yeah. Wish? There you go. With Brent. <laughs> Zach knows me very well, so I still little still early. Oh, early, I knew, still, I knew, I knew it was gonna be Wish. But yeah, Wish is yeah, yeah. really interesting in the Song of Creation lists because then you don't have to run your Thassa's Oracle main deck, and also you can just like wish for Aetherflux Reservoir, which might be you know a little better than having to wish for your Oracle and then you know just like make sure everything works out. So, 
uh, I was going to get to this a little bit later, but I, I think maybe now is the time to talk about it. I don't think Thassa's Oracle is the right kill in these decks. Ooh. And that... So, I love this, and I want you to go more, but just real quickly, what were the biggest strengths and weaknesses of this version of the Citadel deck, of this version of the song deck? Sure. So, the biggest strength, I would say, is that mid-range plan. Like I said, I actually won more with the mid-range plan than I did with the combo plan. Um, I actually missed a 4-1 by... Oh, uh, damn. Killing myself. Yeah, I killed myself in the last <laughs> match. Um, I was like, cool, I just need to cast one more spell and then Thassa's Oracle. And I had one card in my library, so I cast the spell and uh, drew from an empty library and died. Or rather, I had one spell or one, one card left in my library when I cast the Oracle. Um, Who yeah. among us? Who among us? <laughs> I don't remember ever doing it, but I do know I got close. And I, I think I, there was I at least one time yourself. where I went... Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> and I know I know there was one time where I went double song, and the ending of it was oh, really, no. really scary. No, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, double song was amazing, but... Double song is the flex. Double song is you're like, I have no fear. I'm going to do it. And I respect that. It, it kind of makes me uh, want to play something that will allow me to recycle my graveyard. But I, I, I don't think that, this is what I was saying, I don't think that the Thassa's Oracle is actually the way to go. Um, I felt like this was really consistent. It's probably because it's a bunch of four ofs. Um, Weakness-wise, uh, you know, counter magic is kind of a pain in the butt, right? Like, don't really have anything to fight through. Um, you know, missing some of your important spells. So, like, if they can remove your Ragavan and they can, you know, prevent you from casting your song, like, you do have a mid-range plan if you get the sagas out, but otherwise you just have, like, a bunch of, you know, kind of mediocre cards. Blazing Ruwala <laughs> was surprisingly good. Uh, even if you have to cast it for a red, like, it's just so innocuous, but then you pump it up and like you're hitting for three and they have to remove it because otherwise it is going to kill them. But it's also either a free or a one drop. That's like, I don't know. It, it impressed me. Um, yeah. Three Kinnan, one is no joke. Yeah. Kinnan continues to be kind of the worst card in the deck. I like, it's so important to go up on the mana, but it's just it's so mopey so much of the time and there's no real good hits for it. It's because you're not running drum. Like if I've I've been messing, I've that's been going, fair. That's I've been fair. going back to Kinnan brews and like, I mean, this is a small tangent, but if you want to mess with Kinnan, I think you need four amber, four drums, and just like you know, I've been messing with sometimes like one drum, three Kinnans, whatever. But like you want, you want Kinnan early and often, and when you want Kinnan, you want to have your ambers and stuff, because it is. Yep. You know, just like turn one drum, turn two Kinnan amber. That's four mana on your second turn, and if you untap, that's seven mana which is like yeah. on turn three, which is Tron levels. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. I This is absolutely missing the Springleaf drum. And and so Strike It Rich was really disappointing in this list. I actually thought it was going to be a lot better. Um, but, it, you know, if it's in your graveyard, even if you have a cannon out, it's not putting you up on mana. So it's not really doing anything in the graveyard other yep. than, you know, maybe providing you another card if you, like, absolutely need another cast trigger. <laughs> but for three mana is just, like, not really where you want to be. Um, so well, I would if, absolutely cut If you have a cannon, you recoup two of it, right? You get a two-mana yeah. two mail-in rebate. So that's, yeah. I mean... it's You still go down a mana, though, for, like, nothing, essentially. You, I mean, you do, but if you have a song going... Yeah, it, it, basically it's there as a hedge if you like absolutely need that cast trigger. Um, yeah, I found 
most of the time I was pretty disappointed in it though. Yeah. I think that those would sure, be better sure. spent on some of those artifacts in the main board, like a shadow spear and some spring leaf drums. I've had similar, I've messed with strike iteration a little bit and I, I 100%, I 100% agree with exactly what you say where, you know, like in theory, it's like, Oh, maybe this is like pretty cool, but yeah, it's, you know, I never flash. You never want to flash it back. I've melded with Emery, and I've not flashed it back. It's just like, I don't have time to spend three mana to get one treasure. Like, what is this? Yeah, I mean, especially because this deck really tops out on two. Like, Song of Creation mm. costs four. But right now, there's 21 drops, there's eight zero drops, and then nine two drops. And so finding something to cast off of Song is usually not a problem. I guess it's possible you draw two lands and you're like otherwise empty-handed, so you do need that cast trigger. But I feel like we could probably find something else that, that fits in that slot a little bit better. Something else with a cheap flashback cost or, or something like that. Maybe otherworldly gates? I, I do think that's actually Ooh. worth trying. Although... Um, yeah. So, actually, uh, well, okay. So, I don't know that it fits for the same reason that I, um, after running through this list, I, I posted in our channel, and Arun had suggested trying Dragon's Rage Channeler. Yeah. I did jam the DRC in here. It just, it turns out that when you're drawing, you know, two cards off of every spell cast, it's so much less important to have those surveil triggers. Like, it just wasn't. It didn't feel like it was doing a whole lot. Like really? occasionally I'll put a land in the graveyard, but it like it didn't really matter because I was just drawing so many cards and I didn't really find that I was fizzling very often. That's um, wild. It, I I would fizzle a lot in my song. I fizzle a fair amount in my song lists. I don't know. I maybe I got lucky. Um I'm I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong and would like to, you know, maybe I'd try it again. Um yeah, just I the other, if you wanted to add DRC, I'd, you'd probably want to shift this list around a little bit, you know, like Gilded Gooses, Root Wallas, Asmores, you know, just like switching those to non-creature spells uh, would probably yep. uh, make DRC much more, you know, much more useful. But yeah, yeah that, and, you know, including Bobbles, um, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. doing that sort of thing. Yeah, mm. yeah I really like, I, I, I want to try these, I want to try Song of Creation Kitchen now. That, that, to me, seems like an appealing core, yes. the way it overlaps and the yeah. way that you get to, um, you know, get value out of your land cards. But also, as Mora puts four one costs in your deck, the, the cookbooks, and another four in the Asmoras themselves, assuming that you have a cookbook in play with a turn you start comboing off, you can do that. She is a legend for Mox Amber which makes it more reliable for you to get Song of Creation into play, possibly on turn three. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot to like about the, the general direction of this list. Yep, yep. Um, Blazing Rootwalla being potentially free on the turn you're comboing off of a cookbook is pretty appealing too. So um, like that so... means like a cookbook and a Rootwalla in your hand is two spells for one mana. Yes. As you're comboing, which is pretty nut nutso. Um, I wonder if there's a way to get some more spells in here and Galazeth Prismari. I know that's a Ooh. four mana spell, but it lets you tap all your food, all your treasures, and um, uh, any 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 cookbooks if you wanted to to play more spells. Then you'd have to be a little bit more spell based. And now we're in a bunch of different directions. Like the hard thing with Galazeth, I found was like Galazeth was good with Song and Strike It Rich. That that set of mm. cards like kind of works together nicely 
but then trying to figure out the rest of that deck. And this is where maybe Otherworldly Gaze comes in nicely with that set of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, so, I'd be um, super so, curious. It's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's really interesting. Like, I love, and you know, I've actually kind of wanted to test other world. I want to test the otherly world gaze in Breach now that, you know, everyone's espousing it so highly. Um, my one concern is that there is tension between, like, the artifact plan and gaze not being an artifact. Mm. And, mm. like, especially, especially with, you know, like, for instance, like, the Breach list that I play is super dependent on Saga as your plan B and even sometimes your plan A. If you've got, like, a double mm. Saga hand and nothing else, it's like, well, you know, like, looks, <laughs> looks like we're going to Saga, everybody. And, you know, having, even just having a mo- an extra Mox Hammer in play when you can, you know, like, turn three, make a 2-2 two, two construct, untap, make a 3-3, three, three, grab a, you know, grab a Shadow Spear, now you've got two four fours, And, you know, like, two four fours is much scarier than two three threes. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but you know, I mean, <laughs> the, only way to, the only way to know these things is just to test it. So I'll probably find some cuts and I'll mess around with it. It is, it is intriguing enough that I think it, deserves, it warrants testing. I love that this deck is on the absolutely psycho 19 lands for Mox Ambers. I just can't believe one of those lands <laughs> is the Jiggy Wiggy classic of a fucking Ketria Tri. Why is there a Ketria Tri on this deck? No! Three yeah. colors! You're gonna, you're gonna top deck it when you need to cast something and you're going to die. You're going to die. I know it. I know it's no gonna fear. happen. No fear. All right. Oh, yeah, I respect that. No fear that. in the dojo. Only uh, greed, no fear. <laughs> Only greed. Listen, I'm greedy. I'm greedy about killing my opponent with this deck, and I'm, I don't. I'm. I can't. I do not. I. This does not have time for tap lands. I'm a huge tap land fan. I have played multiple games of Magic where I start off with um, Dwarven Mind Triome, and I've won many a game doing that. But this is not the time or place. All right, I, it, that's fair. I would be. I would be amenable to uh, changing that out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I, fine. Jiggy, Jiggy, Jiggy never did it when I used to berate him about it, and he did very, well, very well with lists it was that were coach, like this. So it was caution the Yorion version, especially when you know you wanna. And also, yeah, yeah, also, eighty cards is different. Yeah, and you had Astrolabe, so like nothing matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Can you believe? Yeah. All, like I used to be all about you know unban Mox Opal, but with Urza Saga you cannot unban Mox Opal. That would be disgusting. No, no but let's unban Astrolabe so I can play Snow Saga. Ooh. Oh Jesus! Oh Jesus! It's no joke, guys. It is. Hey, hey, oh, that'd be disgusting. I don't. I would. I want. I want Astrolabe back, but sadly, I think it should be. It should stay banned because it's just. You know, it's well, that, I mean, with, with Saga, it probably just has to be. I mean, it's it's just like Mox Opal. It, it's just too efficient. Yep. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, other other cards I might be able to interest you in here, and this is something I actually built this in paper and took it to my LGS, and I. St- uh, swapped out the Strike It Rich for um, three Fury and one Endurance. Mm. And that actually was pretty spicy. Um, Fury, obviously, solid card. Yeah, red, but red it's Count a f- looks really good for yeah. Fury. And, and extra songs? Pitching extra songs? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, love it. Song love pitches it. to both of those. And uh, it's a free spell cast. So if you're trying to chain off, you could be completely tapped out. Yeah, you still yeah. get to pitch and cast. You draw your two next cards. Um, endurance, yeah, yeah. super nice for shuffling your entire library yep. back in uh, so that you don't kill yourself. Um, and Fury, of course, just, just coming down in the early game to just clean up boards. Like, yep. in games where you're like, well, otherwise I'd be dead, but uh, bleh, like yeah. Pyroblast. And I bet is you that the don't... name of the card? I think it is. 
Anyway, I bet you, you don't even care, right? Because like, you can like turn, like, you know, you can just pitch two Furies and two cards and Song Creation will make up so much card advantage that you can literally yep. shred your hand and just not give a shit. Yep, yep. And, you know, if I you're clearing it. way for these, like, Blazing Root Wallas and these Ragavans and stuff like that, you're actually going to get there on the mid-range plan a lot more Ooh, than you think. Damn, this is, I like this, Brian. This sounds sick. Uh, it was incredibly fun. And I'm going to come back to why I don't think Thassa's Oracle Oracle is the right kill in this deck. Um, So after killing myself and losing that 4-1, I thought about it for quite a while and realized I think that Song of Creation is a conflagrate deck. You end up drawing so many cards to hand, and Mm. you have an abundance of red mana if you're playing these Ragavans and Asmos Mm. because your Mox Amber can make red. And so um, That's you can spicy. Gee, this cast is, this is some galaxy brain spells. shit, Brian. This is some galaxy brain shit right here. Thank you, yeah. thank you. Well, so you know, if you if you cast nineteen spells on your combo turn, that is lethal with a conflagrate. It would take about twenty five spells, uh, twenty six spells with Thassa's Oracle. So, like worst possible case, your turn three combo. And you still have 51 cards left in your deck, and you need to kill with Thassa's Oracle. So you got to cast 25 and a half spells to get there. Um, so it actually takes less spell casting, which means that you're going to have a lower fizzle rate with the yep. Conflagrate. The Conflagrate wants to be in your graveyard anyway. So if you have an early song turn and you need to discard all your cards, hopefully Conflagrate's in there. Um, it just. You know, most people are fetch shocking, so you probably don't even need the full 19 spells. You just need to, you know, get a couple of hits in. So it really works a lot better with this mid-range plan as well. Yeah, hmm. I, I love yeah. it. This is this is super I, creative. That's really interesting. Th- I would, that's a great, great way to think about it. Yeah, I would not have. I would not have expected conflag. I was actually something. I guess similar on that. You know, if if sometimes you just want to take all the game actions and just like you go with the four endurance grape shot build where you just draw your deck, you reset it with endurance, draw your deck, reset it with endurance, draw your deck, reset it for, with endurance and grape shot for like 50. But like that's, yeah. you know, that that's that's more like a Rube Goldberg machine and much less elegant than uh, just a clean conflagrate. Well, I had considered the, uh, the grape shot. I had also considered... Um, like Chatterstorm or something like that, you know, playing <laughs> with the, uh, the silly new cards. Yeah. Who doesn't want to win with a bunch of squirrels? Oh, Just I'm totally... Just with squirrels. <laughs> Chatter, uh, Chatterstorm into Bushwhacker. Let's go. L- listen, Ma- Mass Hysteria is a one-mana spell that, uh, that will trigger <laughs> Song of Creation. So, you know. Uh, first day of class would make it really easy. That's one in red. And yeah. that actually has the learn mechanic, too, which... You know, a rummage is necessary or is useful here. Or you could do as the uh, was it that Sun Titan Supreme Verdict deck that I've run into, where they just play like five lessons in their sideboard to get over and over and over again. That's hot. I don't think I've I seen know that Jiggy one. wants to cast Mascot Exhibition in Modern. I know it. <laughs> I know you want to. It's intriguing, no doubt, no doubt. I'm tempted <laughs> like any mortal. So, uh. I made all of those uh, sorts of, you know, I, 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 I would like to take this back through another league with the Furies um, and the Endurance, uh, with the Conflagrate. I actually didn't end up running this through any additional leagues because once I had added the Dragon's Rage Channeler, 
uh, I had that light bulb moment where I realized actually Dragon's Rage Channeler is exactly what Bolus's Citadel is looking for. So it did not <laughs> quite fit with the Song of Creation, but boy does it fit in the Citadel lists. Uh, so I'll this is where Dan on the phone. <laughs> this is where things took a turn. Um, <laughs> what kind of turn, Brian? Yeah. Is it a good turn or a bad turn? It's actually a pretty good turn, I think. Uh, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so after you know putting the song on ice, uh, I went back to a Jund build of Bolus's Citadel that I had been working on. I added in some Dragon's Rage Channelers. I actually added in uh, the DRCs. I thought I would add in Saga. I basically wanted to pull this full um, mid-range package into a Citadel list. Um, you know, I thought Asmo is a free spell. If you can cast it with Citadel, cookbooks, uh, pumping out food can gain you some life. Um, you know, I thought that this was all going to work out really well. Uh, it turns out Saga, not a good fit in that deck at all. Um, it was way too oh. much of a liability. You really want to hit three lands with the particular build I had, which, um, I have lost that build to the sands of time. So, oh, no. uh, <laughs> last week before recording, I tried to hop on my computer, found out my hard drive was dead. Um, mm -hmm. and yes, you did. Yeah, so I, I had been uh, saving things in a local notes document as opposed to a Google Drive notes document. And uh, I guess I had modified that version in MTGO and I hadn't saved it anywhere else. So that one is lost to the sands of time. You know, um, you know what we call that, Brian? Maximum punishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... What I do remember from that particular build is that Ragavan turned out to be pretty poor. I was not particularly happy with it. It mm -hmm. never stuck around. When it did stuck around, it never really connected. Uh, I don't know if this was just a bad time for it in the meta. I think, like you said um, in the meta discussion, people are just prepared for it now. You know, yeah, everybody's. The, the other thing too, I definitely get people prepared for it, but at the same time, like you can't, you need to have at least four removal spells, probably more with Ragavan, because it's pretty important that like if you go Ragavan on the play and they go, they play something, you can bolt it and connect, and like that's just so huge. And if if Ragavan's unable to connect, then it's just literally a two one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, Asmo ended up being really medium. She didn't stick around very much. Uh, again, it's just really easy to remove her, and uh, without more discard, she ended up stuck in my hand a bunch. Um, casting mm -hmm. multiples uh, of her with Citadel was bad because you can only keep one on the board. And in a Citadel deck, you really want to have material on board to sacrifice to Citadel. Um, this is also true of Ragavan. When he did stick around, he's just like not doing anything. And then I cast the second one and I'm losing life and not really getting any benefit from it. Um, but like I said before, DRC was absolutely fantastic. Uh, clearing lands off the top of your deck while you're trying to storm off is awesome. Um, and so oh, that's yeah. where she is huge leg up. Especially when you start to get multiples down, it just feels like you can never lose. You're like, okay, I'm just going to surveil three lands to the graveyard, continue casting. Uh, yeah, it, so that was... It's so sick that, you know, you're able to, like... You play the channeler for free, and then, like, you know, you hit another one, you play it for free again, and you just go nuts. Like, I love... Having multiple Chandlers in Breach is so nice, but oftentimes I just don't have the mana. I so badly want to, you know, you play, you have a Chandler out, you play Breach, you start escaping. I would love to, you know, escape another second or third Chandlers and just keep going, but I don't have the mana. 
the fact that you get to play them for free off of Citadel and then just keep going and they just chain is that seem that seems hot. Yeah, it it was awesome. Um, so I don't like I said I don't remember the exact build there, um, but I do have my version two. So after realizing that like Asthma wasn't going to really be a good fit and uh, Ragaman wasn't really a good fit, and that I absolutely did not want Urza's Saga, um, I rearranged some things and i included four profane tutor four lotus bloom uh and four electro dominance and so the reason for the uh electro dominance is that i had already been running four crashing footfalls it's a really nice hit off the top with um with citadel uh and i didn't like the fact that it i mean suspend four is just way too much like it comes down way too late even if you suspend it on turn one i I just didn't like it uh from hand but i thought maybe the electro dominance would turn that around or if i hit the electro dominance off the top with citadel i could cast any of these suspend spells that were stuck in my hand so it seemed like it would be a nice little synergy there um and it was functional but uh, overall, Electro Dominance ended up being way clunkier than I thought. I wasn't casting spells from hand as often as I wanted uh, with it. You know, I would find on a combo turn that I would hit it off the top. I would have nothing in hand, so it was just take two damage for mm. absolutely no real benefit. Um <laughs> But what I did discover in this build, uh, and, and actually let me back up here for a moment. So I'll list off this build. This is an 18 land build um, where we've got a, a Jund mana base here that includes Yavamaya Cradle of Growth and Urborg uh, so that we can get a little bit of fixing. Um, we got a bunch of fetches. Uh, there's actually only, I think, five mana producing or five fetchable lands in here um and a boatload of fetches we've got four profane tutor four crashing footfalls four lotus bloom one cling to dust four drc two bolt four gilded goose two collective brutality three weather the storm four weather bloom command three sedgemore witch three bolus's citadel and four electro dominance um and so uh what i did find here is that suspending a lotus bloom on turn one suspending a profane tutor on turn two was actually pretty nuts both of those come off suspend on turn four and is Mm -hmm. such a sweet little setup because if you hit your third land drop and you hit your um basically if you hit your third land drop you're guaranteed to be able to cast the citadel profane tutor means that you can either find the citadel if you don't have it you can find that third land drop if you didn't have that uh, or you can go get whatever other card you might need so with all of this in mind, I moved to my third iteration. I ended up cutting the Crashing Footfalls. They were just too awkward. Uh, as nice as it was producing two bodies, and that was very often relevant, um, like I said, the card just kind of underperformed. So in this next iteration, I kept the Profane Tutors, the Lotus Bloom, Cling to Dust, DRC, Bolt. Uh, instead of Electro Dominance, I added four Seal of Fire. Um, I still have the four Gilded Goose, two Collective Brutality. I swapped uh, one of the Weather the Storms for a Chatterstorm. And in place of the Crashing Footfalls, I added Prosperous Innkeeper. Um, Otherwise, the deck is still the same. And so this actually feels pretty solid. Um, I ended up taking this version to two three twos. 
uh, a mm. two three and then a sad zero four. So <laughs> at the Oof. top, I had talked about the uh, the bad side of variance, and that zero four felt like a really awful side of variance. There was just like a number of games where it was like, oh sweet, I have like this beautiful seven card hand. Turn one, suspend Lotus Bloom. Turn two, suspend Profane Tutor. Their turn three, they cast Teferi, and I just go wah wah. <laughs> oh yeah. no, your your fun has been unraveled. Ad nauseum has the same problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I had a bunch of games where like I was fighting against counter magic, I was fighting against Teferi, I have had Void Mirrors cast against me. It was just bad beats. And I, I also had a game where, I shit you not, I had 12 lands on the battlefield in my 18 land deck. Uh, I just didn't draw anything but lands, and my opponent didn't do anything, and I still lost because I didn't do anything either. <laughs> Amazing. It is um, what it is, man. Yeah, yeah, it happens. But this actually, yeah. this feels really good, and uh, much like your grinding breach experiences, I felt like... Um, the more I played this deck, the more I started to understand some of the nuances and some of the, yep. the tricky lines. So uh, what really surprised me was Profane Tutor. Casting a Profane Tutor off of a Bolus's Citadel, uh, just throwing this out there, what would you think to go pick up? You know, you're like in the middle of comboing off. What do you think you're going to grab from your deck? Because for me, I thought it was land trying to get all the lands out of your deck so that you don't hit them off the top. Um, uh, is this something like Darcy? Uh, weather the storm? I'm assuming in this, in this hypothetical, you have no mana. Well, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's, I should have stated all of my assumptions here. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, cause if you have mana, I, I feel like, um, Sedgemore Witch could be fine. Witherbloom is it Witherbloom? It's probably Witherbloom Command for no reason, right? <laughs> it's not actually. So here is what I've found to be true. You almost always want to grab Weather the Storm or okay. Chatterstorm. Yeah, it was Weather the Storm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for this is because uh, if you are comboing off on turn four, hopefully, mm -hmm. you know you've suspended your Lotus Bloom on turn one, your Profane Tutor on turn two, you've hopefully hurt, hit your third land drop on turn three. So you're now casting your Bolus's Citadel with uh, an open land drop, and you're starting to go off. You hit your land, your first land off the top, and you play it. So now you have one open mana. Uh, that might mean that you want to grab something different, but uh, hopefully you hit a Lotus Bloom along the way. And mm. so now you have more open mana available. Uh, grabbing mm. that weather the storm to fire off a if you stall out so like you hit two lands in a row or something like that or um, you know b you get too low on life has been absolutely a game changer the fizzle rate mm. the like dying yep. to aggro just completely went away this way um, hmm. just having that in hand has been I don't know how many games that has saved me from you know because the opponent's coming at you you're like messing with your own life total and even if you save that weather the storm for their turn or something you know sometimes you play against decks where they're getting a higher storm count than you on some turns and so you just uh -huh. you know play it to buffer your life total and it's completely unexpected because they think they have you dead to rights um, similarly you mm. can grab the one of chatter storm if you just need to get the 10 permanents into play to sacrifice for the Citadel. Um, so that was 
I don't know. That oh, was kind of a level up moment for me. That's spice. That is that's some spice right there. Chatterstorm to sack with Citadel. Nice. It it just it worked out so much better than I expected. Um, yeah, I mean, Sedgemore Witch continues to also be fantastic. Like watching a Sedgemore Sedgemore Witch make you know. 15 tokens after you've just stormed off a bunch and then cast a weather the storm for a ton of of life gain it's so sweet <laughs> just getting to click through all those triggers <laughs> yeah this i mean this deck looks like you know you need a lot of reps with it just you look at it just like what the fuck is going on so it makes complete sense. <laughs> and i'm sure you know even if you played more and more and more that you would just pick up so many more lines and just you know kind of especially with combo decks too. I mean, every deck benefits from knowing how to play against your opponent, but combo decks are nice because you have your own plan A. You know, instead of instead of trying to figure out the puzzle, how do I dismantle my opponent? Your puzzle is how do I get to this situation where like I will I definitively win the game. And being able yep. to you know, just like because that's the question you're asking, you're you you have you're able to be much more focused and you know, like your lines are much more relevant to you than just I have to know everything that my opponent is doing. Mm. Yeah, and uh, especially with these non-deterministic combo mm -hmm. lines, um, it's really, really important to sort of uh, figure out which sequencing choices are, like, by and large the best ones, because trying to figure it out mid-combo, I mean, that was my problem with the with the Jeskai Otherworldly Gaze deck, is, like, trying to do these, like, figure out which way to sequence these mid-turn is just, like, very difficult. But when, when you when you work it out and figure out your sort of general heuristics, you're like, oh, grabbing the weather storm early is a big deal, so let's do that. Because mm. it, it seems to exponentially increase my win percentage um, versus all the other niche... Uh, there, there's probably other ones that are correct, but just in much less uh, situations. Yeah, it's, it's all about building those uh, sort of you know kind of it, it's a rule of thumb but not like a hard yeah. and fast rule yeah yep. exactly it's just yep. generally speaking this is the correct play but yep asterisk um so yeah you know there's a, i think a lot of sort of bizarre choices in here like the witherbloom command um witherbloom command it's i don't want to say it's a good card but it's a very good card in this deck the fact that it can basically cycle itself uh, without costing you any life because it drains for two uh, is awesome. It removes a bunch of cheap hate cards. Uh, it kills, you know, run in six, things like that. Like I, I had it. Um, it is your main deck answer to things like Void Mirror. Um, yep, yep. It kills a DRC. So it's it's been pretty indispensable. Uh, Collective Brutality has more or less consistently felt like one of the weaker cards in the deck so i would consider cutting those but again yeah. it's a card that can cycle for two you know it, it drains for two which is not nothing that makes sense i mean in my experience with collective brutality it's always best in decks where you know the discard is really really useful like if you can use it yeah. as a discard outlet or get extra value off of it but this you know there doesn't you, this doesn't i guess your best reward for filling for graveyard is maybe darcy hits delirium a little quicker but otherwise mm -hmm. yeah i think i think Brutalities would probably be the first things I cut out of this list, just based on what yeah. I, what based off of my own experiences. Prosperous Innkeeper was a great addition. Uh, yeah, that's hot. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of synergy there in terms of the like creature life gain because this is so creature light. But then when the Sedgemore Witch pops off, like that can be a pretty big life swing, which is really nice. 
um, in those games, you're probably already winning. I think Seal of Fire was a really nice addition here. The fact that it is both interaction and a permanent that sits on board is super relevant. Yep. And I actually found that um, this deck almost feels like a burn deck at times. Because if you hit the Witherbloom commands and you hit some of these Seal of Fires mm. or the Lightning Bolts, you end up just getting them down with the burn. You don't even necessarily need to activate the Citadel, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I can see a, a, a game where you played an early Dragon's Rage Channeler against, like, I don't know, Shadow or Creativity, um, where, you know, you, you do 13 damage or so on your on your combo turn. Like, just attacking for three, and then, like, Witherbloom Command, Seal of Fire, Seal of Fire, Lightning Bolt. Like, it, it adds up really fast. It really does. Fast. Yeah. Yeah, I had a couple... And even if it's not going to kill them, it puts them in an uncomfortable position with their lands. Because oftentimes yep. people are playing fetch lands, shock lands, and, and that is a big deal. Yep. Yep. So how easy is it to get Delirium early in this list? It looks like it'd be... I would guess it'd be pretty difficult, but what's been your experience? Yeah, it, looks, it looks tough. Yeah, Delirium is not something that um, came easily, but I also didn't mm -hmm. really care. DRC yeah, is yeah. really just there for the repeat surveil trigger. Yeah. Um, although, you know, getting some chip damage in here and there is pretty nice. Um, you know, Bolus's Citadel dealing 10 damage really puts the opponent in an awkward position because even if you get your Citadel out and then pass turn, they know that there's a pretty good chance they're going to die the next turn, right? Like, it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter what their life total is. Like, even if they're at, say, 15, um, well, I don't know. I, I guess in games two and three, they, they might realize because they see that you're playing all these drain spells and, and burn spells. Uh, it's possible <laughs> they didn't notice in game one. But um, I did notice that my opponents were a lot less likely to like fetch shock as aggressively uh, in games oh. two and three. Nice, that's pretty interesting. Because yeah. with my experience with Darcy, is just you know something you can almost like cheat wins like turn one Darcy, like turn two Darcy, Mox, Bobble, Emery, give Delirium, like turn three you're swinging for just like nine, like that turn you swing for three in the air, next turn you swing for like six to nine depending and. You know, I've, I've I've won games that I did not deserve to win because I've I've been swinging for nine on turn three. <laughs> yeah, I I would be interested in trying to find a way to enable the uh, enable the delirium a little bit faster. I would be interested in trying to make this have a more tenable mid range plan because right now this is like all in on the combo, right? If mm -hmm. your suspend spells get killed, I mean it it's basically like you know the 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 games where they turn three to fairy while you have two sus suspend spells up it's just a concede yeah. even a game where they turn to void mirror you or um turn one you know chalice on zero it's like okay well i either find my wither bloom command or i just lose you know there's mm. really like even even if it's uh you know say you get the bolus's citadel online you now have eight of your spells that you can't cast Yep. Um, or if they have a void mirror, then you don't get to cast anything, right? Like your Citadel is doing effectively nothing for you. Yeah, so so what, what are the biggest vulnerabilities then? Like what are the, what are the biggest issues with this version? And especially in like what hate cards are the most brutal? Uh, so Teferi is awful, uh, especially because you don't really have a good main deck way to deal with it. Um, mm. Witherbloom command doesn't hit it. 
uh, because it's a mana too much. Uh, Voidmere is bad, but the Witherbloom commands um, can help sure up against that. I also had Assassin's Trophy and uh, Abrupt Decay in my sideboard. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, Jund Colors are really good for dealing with some of the hate cards, but yeah. you need yes, to have them are. available. Um, yeah. uh, Chalice on zero can be a problem, but again, the Witherbloom command takes care of that. Um, hand disruption can be pretty brutal. Uh, I found that aggressively mulliganing for the hands where you have a Profane Tutor and a Lotus Bloom is really important. Um, you know, I would not hesitate to go down to like even four cards if it meant that I had a really solid hand because against yep. the decks that are not packing the hate for you, you're just gonna roll like it's it's. It's not it, not even a close to game. Um, yeah, this, yeah, this list actually reminds me. It does look a lot like Ad Nauseam to an extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just very focused on what it wants to do. But yeah, it folds super hard. And you know, counter magic. Like, there's just there are a lot of actual you know hate avenues available. Um, you know, I was playing against an elementals player and like you know foundation breaker or whatever it is like even that was just a total beating like oh well you just blew up my <laughs> citadel and now i gotta find another citadel and i don't have anything to At do in the meantime speed yeah like, yeah yeah like that's one where you could play around it in theory yeah, yeah i'm all, not gonna lie it's, it's a little bit rough right now for combo players like it's there's a lot of hate out there that's good against pretty much all your combos well and, and especially in the, the storm style yeah mm-hmm and the, the decks that are making that happen are the Cascade decks, which are both playing, like, four main deck copies of Force Negation. So it's, yep. like, it's the, they're, like, they're, like, quote-unquote combo decks. Like, I'm putting that in heavy parenthesis, because I don't really, I wouldn't really refer to Rhinos as a combo deck. But no. they're decks built for to, to emphasize a particularly powerful synergy that by people attacking that one, they just hit all these combo decks by accident they're just like oh yep. yeah i've got my chalices in the board whoopee we get to crush uh underworld breach just for free yeah it's um, rough or, rough or void mirror yeah it's it's uh it is it's a bit uh so it's, it's a tough world for the combo players yeah so i don't actually know where i would take this one next um it feels pretty tight right now. Like I said, I would definitely consider cutting the Collected Brutality, maybe the Cling to Dust. You know, it was sort of just a single, like, oh, it can be a life gain spell or it can be a draw spell if I need. Um, I think it's fine as, like, a little utility piece, but it hasn't been overly impressive. Here's an idea, Brian. Here's a challenge for you. Uh-oh. Have you ever casted Bolas's Citadel from the graveyard using Emery? I don't think I have. Sounds pretty hot. I tried once, and then my opponent forced negation did. But, <laughs> you know, it's uh, but, but if, then it if just they could... hadn't forced negation did. Exactly. It would have been so sweet. <laughs> well, that is something I would be interested in considering. Uh, otherworldly gaze, like we talked about, could be really good. Um, so I had played Sultai oh. versions of uh, this deck in the past, and um, I was actually running the single blue scry three spell, and that felt mm-hmm. fine in this deck, just because you really want that top deck manipulation. Um, the question is, what do you cut for blue? Because yeah, whether the storm to me feels like it is just absolutely critical to this strategy. Chatterstorm has been excellent at producing the bodies needed to sacrifice to Citadel. Um, Goose is very good because it's two permanents for one mana. And so that kind of leaves red as the uh, the color to cut, I think. And yeah. DRC feels 
so powerful. Yeah, that's the, you know, it might be hard to stare. Can we just get some kind of four color mana base going with Limmer Voids and all that other nonsense is something I keep trying to come back to just because, <sighs> you know, just like Darcy and Emery go really well together. And, you know, like it'd be, I think this deck could be pretty interesting and pretty powerful if you had, you know, like the chances for the really early Darcy, Bobble, Amber, Emery draws where you just like, you know, your opponent has to deal with your two, three, three flyings and that you barely invest any resources in. And it's then they have to still deal with your Emery too. And then, you know, like your back plan is like, as the game goes further along, you've also got the Citadel you can just slam down and just like start going to town again. So is this going to be the mythical Navigator's Compass deck? We get the life gain, we get the mana fixing. Oh no, don't. <laughs> of course, Zach, Zach has temporarily stepped away for reasons we are unsure of. And what happens? <laughs> Navigator's compass, let's go! Well, hopefully Zach comes back and scorns us a little bit. Uh, maybe scolds yeah. us, but... No, you know, I, I, I... I like that idea. <laughs> it's so bad! Like, I, I do have my playset that I don't play anymore, because I tried it once in the Yorion build, and I was like, who the hell plays Yorion with Renan 6 and paper? Like, never again. Ugh, yeah, that's... Uh, actually, so I built this in paper, and I took it to the LGS... And I got through two rounds, uh, and I was just like, I feel so bad as my opponents sit yep. here and stare at me. And so I just like, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm gonna drop. You, you got the win, opponent. Like, you know, my <laughs> my second round opponent. I was just like, you know what? You got this. I, I was just like, just finished storming off and killing him. I was like, I'm gonna leave now. You got the win, and they were like, wait, what? And I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> Zach, you missed it. You had stepped away when we were talking about a four-color build with, like, Emery. And, you know, so if you could get the Emery DRC busted starts, but also still be able to fall back on that Citadel. And, you know, what's the best card for enabling four-color decks? Navigator's Compass. Oh, no! It's back! <laughs> well, you know, it's got life gain. You want that. You need the mana fixing. It's got that. It's really, it's it's a one-stop shop for everything yeah, you I need in a Bolus's Citadel deck. I mean, with Citadel, you know, I think it is actually more worth considering than the garbage I put it in. Uh, but I mean, any any spell that can um, put you up on life is probably worth consideration in a Citadel deck, just because that's effectively mana for you. So, yeah, and, yeah. you know, especially if we could get the four color mana base to work, you know, that could that could be the hotness. Yeah, that one might be tough. I mean, you are playing the Gilded Goose, you are playing the Prosperous Innkeeper, so you do have two ways right there to make um, blue mana, you know, fairly easily. The Lotus Blooms are often what you're using to produce your triple black, but, you know, in a pinch you could use it to make blue. Um, maybe we could find some other treasure maker that would fit in there. Yeah, it would be pretty tricky. Like, if I'm imagining for this build, I think you might wind up, you know, it'd be a very different build. You'd wind up cutting the blooms in the profane tutors just to going for a totally different route uh, than yeah. this, which well, is, you know, might, might not necessarily be correct, but it's just an idea I have. I've just, I've very much loved ever, ever since I got to swing for nine on turn three with three dragon rage chandlers uh, against my Grixis dressed down shadow opponent who just scooped on the spot. That felt amazing. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. I would be really reluctant to cut the blooms just because getting to six mana is so hard. That's the other thing I think I, I found with this build is I had never gone quite so low on lands. And, you know, I don't know. There's just something like casting a six drop in an 18 land deck. It's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, it's a drug. 
<laughs> it's like I'm I'm totally cheating. Yeah, you know I I don't know. Yeah, there's some decks like this, like Adnaz, where Lotus Bloom feels awesome, and then every other deck where Lotus Bloom feels terrible. And I don't I don't know. I'd be really hard pressed to cut it, but you could be right, especially if you're you know trying to do all these other things. Uh, yeah, it I might mean, be one of the easy cuts. It'd be much. It'd be much less like this. This is a legit like your combo is your plan A and your B, and then like maybe you have plan C something else. Like this, the Emery Darcy four color version. I think you'd kind of have like your plan. You know, like combo wouldn't necessarily be your plan A. You wouldn't have to multi four to hit a profane tutor in Lotus Bloom. You know, you would kind of have your standard just like Emery Darcy Bobble Amber starts where you know you have some really cheap efficient threats that can snowball. And then once they're done dealing with that, you know, like you're slowly build up some position, you slam a citadel and like start going nuts more. So it wouldn't, and yeah, it'd probably look very different, but it wouldn't be quite like, you know, just like you want your goal is to on turn four, you want to cast your citadel and then win. Like, it would be a different style deck than this. Uh, but I, I think I know. If I maybe I'll try exploring it. I have a lot of things to explore, but I'm also really liking breach, so it's a little awkward. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, there's there's a lot to think about there. I. I feel like I, I also I want to take this back out through a couple more leagues because you yeah. know I think that I think that it, it could be one of those decks where like yeah I got the the 2-3 and the 0-4 but um, the 2-3 really felt a lot like I was still learning and like I said the more that I play this the more I start to figure out some of these trickier lines and realize yep, yep. like oh there are actually a lot more outs than I had really given it credit for um, so you know Maybe this could be one of the ones that that goes to the four one or the five zero uh, with just some more reps. So, yeah, definitely. I think you know, especially like it seems like what you're trying to what. Uh, let me know if like I'm interpreting things correctly, but this is kind of how I go a lot of my brews. Is you know, there's there's a certain feel for a deck. Well, like it's not necessarily the record you get or just like how well the deck does, but like as you're playing the deck, like for my first iterations of breach, you know, just like it felt good. You know, it felt like like my losses felt close, my wins felt like. My wins felt good. My wins felt, you know, pretty, pretty powerful. They felt, they, they just, yeah, they just felt good. And, you know, they felt like I could win again. And it, it wasn't luck based. It's not like, oh, yeah. sometimes you're on deck through a league and you 4 1. It's like, well, two of my opponents multi five and my other one got land screwed on two. So, like, yeah. how, what, I, you know, the deck, I love the 4 1, but how did the deck feel? But other times you can go 2 3 and you're just like, okay, this, this deck feels solid. Like, the, the things make sense, the patterns work out. Uh, so you would you say that this deck feels pretty good like it has the good feel to it yeah this is definitely felt the best of all of the citadel decks i've played and i've played Ooh. a lot of bad oh, citadel yeah. decks you you um, have definitely played a lot of citadel decks so that's 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 really intriguing i might you might convince me to make some bad decisions once i'm done messing <laughs> with underworldly gaze Brian M's endorsement. This might be the best Citadel deck I've ever played. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anyone has played more Citadel than Brian. So you no, know. I mean it's that's a ringing endorsement. Cave Dan is 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 going to be just so jealous when he hears that that how many uh, Bolus Citadel decks you've gotten to play. Is I that mean, offer it, still on? If Brian trophies with Citadel, the cookies? Does, does I don't know. Dan, does, we we got to find gonna, out. Give Brian some cookies. I'm down. If he if Dan it, gives it you cookies, it has to be in. It has. To, it has to be in modern though, right? Specifically yeah, because like be people modern. are yeah. crushing with this deck in Pioneer um, that I don't know anything about. And but... vintage, you know, turn one, <laughs> turn yeah, one, yeah, Academy, yeah. Mana Crypt, Tinker, Bolus, the Citadel. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, now we're playing. That's the whole thing, now so. we're doing some esports. Yeah, yeah that's. 
serious I, MLG plays. <laughs> I, I do. I do feel like this is um, the first time that I've come to a Bullis' Citadel deck where it feels like it's. You know, uh, I think it was Gabe Nassif talked about like, oh, sometimes there's decks where like tuning one or two cards isn't actually going to make the deck any better, but like you're too focused on like, oh, what are these small adjustments? This actually feels like a couple small adjustments will yep. will get it there. Whereas like before it was, you know, oh, we wholesale need to replace eight, 10, 12 cards. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, collective brutality feels bad, but everything else feels pretty good. Yeah, and I would I would even argue that that's kind of a hallmark of combo decks where, you know, if you're doing an incredibly synergy-based plan where you need to assemble these certain cards in this specific order, that tweaking two or three cards, especially, like, getting your Citadel down, you know, like, you have multiple steps. First step is to get Citadel down and resolve it, and the next step is to have your deck, you know, be able to combo with, with Citadel in play. And, you know, tweaking one or two cards in the main deck can, you know, like, if you can switch your physical percentage from, like, you know, maybe one percentage from... 75% to 85 90% that's significant and one or two cards could actually do that especially if you're going to be seeing your whole deck as citadel will probably enable you to do yeah yeah you know and and um i don't know just uh yeah again so much so much of this has been like oh the more i play it you know little little tricks like uh oh you go off on turn four you never play a land out of hand because you're going to hit one on citadel and um, upping the density of so this is a Mr. Rayab, uh, uh you know thing up the density of fetch lands and you know you don't need that many fetchable lands you you want a high density of fetch lands and so now you're hopefully hitting a fetch land off the top and so even if you have all your other mana producers out that fetch land is going to reset the top of your deck so that you can keep storming off and mm. it's like little edges like that once i started to you know build those up the deck just feels better and better i think there's just a lot of secrets yep. waiting to reveal themselves to me here definitely uh, yeah this is kind of you know just Speaking of Mr. Abe, huge shout-outs to Mr. Abe. We're lucky that he doesn't play as much magic as he could, because uh, he's a killer. Uh, and he is. He, uh, he uh, top 32 the showcase yesterday on uh, Emmy Cool. Yeah, and, he was uh, like he was 5-0 or 6-0 to start or something, and then had a couple bad Yeah, luck. I think he ended 6-3. and three, uh -huh. um, but that or No, 7-2. and two. Yeah, yeah. But it's still a great showing from uh, Creativity, and he was on the same uh, creature package, or rather, I was on the same creature package that he has popularized, which is Sarah's Emissary and Emrakul. Um, but uh, yeah, big shout-outs to him. Great guy, incredible competitor. Uh, what, what Wasn't so lucky today in the challenge. I saw him playing against someone in like the 2-4 bracket, but... Oof. It's also nice to see that he is also just someone who loves to play because you don't play in the two four bracket because you think you're getting anything for it. You play no. it because you love the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, maybe we'll put a pin in Citadel and Song of Creation for mm. now. I definitely think that there's more room to explore, particularly on the song side, and I definitely love some of the ideas we talked about. So I will most certainly return to them, but uh, song with otherworldly gaze. Let's go. Yeah, Let's go. Uh, you can. You should draft the list, Zach. You, you know, normally you take. I, well, I, 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 I've, I've been slacking on the, on the brews, so uh, I clearly have to uh, put put my put my brew money where my brew mouth is. All right. Uh, so, Doctor Combo, uh, I hear that you've been winning trophies. There's over here. a breach trophy. Oh yeah, well first I think we'll take a quick break and you know just kinda of reset a little bit. And then when we get back I will talk all about the how the breach party never ends.
All right, so welcome back everybody. As I kind of mentioned previously, the breach party never ends. Uh, so Brian has been making some pretty great progress on his nonsense. And while he was doing this, I finally managed to get the trophy last week with Blue Red Breach and it got published. So it's not like, oh, we forgot to download, you know, some of this employee forgot to upload the, the button, I click the button and upload all the things, which happened to me one time where I trophied, but they didn't publish, they didn't publish any deck dump at all. That was brutal. But this time they did, so I made the deck dump. Uh, the list is, I think it's pretty similar to the one that I mentioned in the last podcast. Uh, I guess the one big change, I don't know if I had made this yet, but Zach, uh, you know, had mentioned just like, get some interaction in there, more than just your metallic rebukes. So I initially messed with, uh, I splashed white uh, for prismatic ending, kind of copying what Spike was doing, and a little bit what um, uh, Diablo XSC's uh, Jessica Grinding Breach was doing. But it was just four colors, or three colors plus Saga is just very difficult. And it's it makes the mana base so much more painful, and it's just, it's more awkward than it needs to be. So I kind of, you know, downgraded a little bit, went straight back to blue-red and added four Unholy Heat's main deck. Uh, and it was nuts. It was so, so, so good. It also, like, turns the creature matchups from, like, medium to, like, now they're great. Like, so this, admittedly, this the league I trophied in was a little weak. I faced Yagmoth twice, same pilot, uh, poor pilot. I crushed them. Black White <laughs> Grief Blade, that did not, not draw me, so I won. Uh, Black Green Asmo, which is, you know, pretty medium. Sweet deck, but pretty medium. I did get to beat on Hammer Time at the end, though, but I think I found Hammer Time is actually a pretty good matchup now. And also, some of the opponents stumbled at key places, you know, missing land drops, just like a little bit of bad luck here, there. But honestly, with all the 4 1 bad beats I've had, I'll take it, you know, like it's. <laughs> Like we sometimes you deserve a break, and a lot a lot of times even these trophies like you're one I say this pretty often, but you're not going to trophy a league if your opponents draw better than you in all five matches. Like that's just not how trophying works. That's not how magic works. Uh, so, and I was feeling really good about it. The deck felt super strong, and I managed to find the time to take him to the showcase on like yesterday actually, which was pretty sweet because you know it's nice to always trust your chops. Uh, it was also cool. I've been doing so well with Breach that like, I didn't have to join any last-minute prelims or anything. Uh, I just, like, I had all the... I had even way more QPs than I needed. So that was like, okay, sweet, you know, like, it's a free roll. Uh, so my overall record was 6-3, and it was definitely one hell of a ride. Uh, I started off round one pretty rough. Uh, I lost to uh, Spike's Jeskok Phoenix build. It was... I don't know. It was... <laughs> I made some pretty sloppy misplays. Like, there's this one game one... I bluffed Metallic Rebuke, and in order to do that, I essentially, I could have either left up an island, or I could have left my grinding station untapped. And I chose to tap the grinding station to bluff Metallic Rebuke, and my opponent had Prismatic Ending on my grinding station, which normally you would sacrifice to itself. And then I wound up not being able to win the game because I had the breach, but I had no grinding station. But if I had sacked the grinding station to itself, it would have still been in the yard. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, that's pretty... And then I think, I don't know, I have re rewatched the replays, but, like, I punted all over the place. Let's see, there was that one. I was comboing off, and it was combo turn, and I had a fetch land in my hand, but instead I played Urza's Saga. And I was one card short in my graveyard of, like, escape. I think I had to escape uh. Emery, but in order to escape Emery, I had to exile both Oracle and Amber. If I had one more card, I wouldn't have to exile the Oracle. It was just, like, you know, the small little details. Uh, but then Oof. I still won game two. But then game three, I think I also I made some sort of punt. And then I had to take this absurd line where I was 
you know, like the pressure zone, I have to combo. I had the breach, but I didn't. And I had the breach and a grinding station, but I didn't have the emery and I didn't have the mana. So I had to like play the breach. I had the DRC and play. I had to play the breach. And then like I had to escape a dragon, a Darcy in order to get more looks. And I had to start looping bobbles to escape to mill two cards, hoping to finally mill the emery, like before I milled two ambers or just something absurd. Uh, and I was 16 cards left in my library and I had no emeries. So oh, I had yeah. to, I, I lost that game and it was just so brutal. And then, you know, like four emeries were in the bottom 16 cards. But that's also, you know, <laughs> I want to, I want to say that that should have been a 3-0 round one win, but instead it was a 1-2 loss. Uh, and it was definitely all on me. And you know, I was still waking up and it was, it was, but it was really cool to have to, you know, I hadn't had to take those lines before and... I was super impressed with Dragon Rage Chandler being able to like make those lines available. I just loved seeing you say the words like, "Oh God, it's too early to be playing Breach like this." Yeah, it, it's yeah. too early. <laughs> I was in, you know. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there. I'm just like Indomitable X4, Triple Obsidian Charma Emrakul. Get out of here! Yeah, it was. <laughs> I it was wonderful. You know, I, I love being able to play in the challenges on on the weekends, like hanging out in Zach's chat. Mm. You know, like watching him mm. play, like talking bad beat stories. And yeah, I remember just like, I see Zach just cruising along, he's crushing his opponent into <laughs> dust, and I'm just like, sitting down, just like, what the fuck? Like, what is this nonsense? But you, like, you stuck it out. You had the stick to and uh, you had the reps, and you had the, the, the dream. Yeah, so, so I lost that one to round one to Spike just got Phoenix. I was not feeling so great after, you know, what should have been an easy win. I think it's a great matchup. What should have been an easy win was instead a double punt loss. Uh, so that was pretty brutal. Uh, but at round two, uh, you know, my opponent no-showed, which was pretty sweet. So after those 15 minutes, uh, they, I got the match win. I had time to take the dog out, you know, take a little 20-minute walk. So that was, I think that was much needed. And I think that actually might have been like the reset I needed. Uh, round three, I faced Elementals. Uh, it was, <laughs> that was also it was just like, I said, go turn on Utopia's problem. Like, oh, God damn it. Uh, and it was, I looked up the deck list. Like, it's not, I don't think it's super terrible. They don't always play Endurance main deck, and, like, they just have removal, and their clock is slow. But if they have Endurance, I can't really beat it. But I, I beat them in a, they beat me game one, but I managed to take games two and three pretty closely. Uh, they never drew Endurance, thankfully. Round four, I also managed to take down Mill uh, in a very close three. Uh, that was as, after, <laughs> after getting all my shit, like, surgical and extirpated in game three, I actually managed to get there with Sagas, which felt pretty sweet. Nice. Uh, round five, so you know, like oh one. Now we're now we're three one and feeling pretty good. Uh, round or actually now this this puts it four one. Round five and six were both hammer time, uh, which is you know actually a great matchup. Uh, it's actually pretty interesting, like playing breach where, like round one against round five game one against hammer time. I look at my hand, it's just like land land land, Mox Emery breach grinding station. It's like easiest turn three win of my life. And I was on the play, and it's like, you know, like, what a gift this deck gave me. So sometimes you just get those easy wins, and other games you have to find these crazy complicated lines and count your surveil triggers, etc. So it's just interesting to get to go to those extremes. Uh, but, you know, especially uh, having the Unholy Heat's main deck, so helpful against Hammer Time. Uh, Aether Spellbomb off of being able to find off of Urza Saga just, you know, kind of sets you up well. And then post-board getting three engineered explosives. So Hammer Time matchup is great. Uh, so I managed to take both five and six. Uh, round seven, I lost to the X to RVNG, the EXO Living End player. Uh, that game was not mm. super close. It's I guess, actually it was kind. It could have been closer. Uh, game one, they kind of crushed me. Game two, I was doing pretty well. 
but on my turn three, they force a vigor. Well, they griefed me, and they forced the negation one of my things, and they forced a vigored my saga on two <laughs> counters and like something Yikes. else. And yeah, I, I just it was. I Free think, spells. Yeah, Free it's spells. it's just so stupid like, that like they uh, get to play. Honestly, force of vigor was definitely a mistake. The fact that it gets to kill two things is just like so stupid. I hate it. Uh, so it's that really was goofy. Yeah, that that was pretty brutal. Uh, and then, but you know, it's like okay, I'm already X two. May as well stay in a little bit. Uh, round eight, I beat Monored Eldrazi. That's where I was talking about where I crushed them game one, and game two they just freaking. Uh, they monkeyed me like they <laughs> they they ravaged me with Ravagan and that was that was so brutal. It's just Ravagan hitting Mox Ember. It's just like fuck. I hate this. I hate that stupid monkey. Uh, and then round nine, uh, I was playing for top sixteen or thirty two at least. Unfortunately, my matchup was Grixis dressed down Shadow, which is actually like the worst. I I would say it's pretty close to unwinnable unless they stumble and you you draw the nuts. Between their Ravagans, between their Darcy's, their Drown in the Locks, their Thought Seizes. And also, interestingly, I learned this the hard way. Dress Down, you know, like, you have, we have Saga and we have Breach. And they're two really great plans that, like, are pretty synergistic. You know, like, the art of, like, running station, pump your constructs, etc. Uh, one of them, you know, Saga is vulnerable to artifact hate. But your Breach combo actually isn't so much. Or, like, artifact destruction is more... Like, you know, like, Stony Silence effects, which Saga gets around. So they complement each other really well. Unfortunately, Dress Down hits both these angles. Well, they can Dress Down... Dress Down killed your Saga tokens, so that's bad. But Dress Down also, in response to, like, an Underworld Breach, uh, will prevent your Emery... Well, it kills your Oracle triggers and prevents your Emery's from milling additional cards. So it, it hits... You can't actually win with... Well... The only way to win with Dress Down on the board is like if you already got a good position and you can just mill yourself anyways, then flashback Brazen Borrower and then cast it. But otherwise, dress, a well-timed Dress Down uh, will just heal the deal on the combo and the constructs. So I got absolutely ravaged by them, and that felt pretty bad. Although I think Zach and I had a... This is kind of an interesting discussion. Uh, Zach and I had, like, do you ever spell Pierce a Bobble? Where, like, I went, mm. I went, turn, like, I went turn one, I'm up. You know, like fetch land holding up spell pierce, and they go turn one, uh, land. They went uh, land. Uh, they went land. I think it was a blood crypt, and they casted Darcy, and then they casted Bobble, and they milled a thought seize with Bobble, and because they put the thought seize in the graveyard, I assume they were looking for a land really badly, because you know you would love to have thought seize against the combo deck. So then they played their Bobble. I actually spell pierced it, and that that paid well for me. They found they. It took them two turns to find a land. Of course, they still crushed me, uh, but you know, it, I, I almost cheesed them out in the game. So that was that was kind of interesting. And you know, do you ever spell Pierce the Bobble? Is I think an interesting question, maybe for another time. Uh, but overall, you know, I was hoping for the top 16, at least 32, get the list published. Uh, that loss put me at 46th place out of 265, though. But I mean, I'm pretty happy. Like especially <laughs> starting pretty rough and just. Having to a take these super complicated lines that I've never had to take before, uh, and also just you know punting punting away a couple things was a little bit of a rough start, uh, but after that I think I got my bearings and I played pretty well. You know it's fun playing in these things, especially the showcases, because all the opponent like everyone's a stone cold killer, like everyone has earned the 40 QPs. Like they played, they've either done really well in a bunch of leagues or done really well in some prelims or just done really well in challenges, and you know they're. There are many less misplays against me, uh, which was not, you know, a good way to test your chops. 
uh, my I loved my I loved my sideboard. It turned out really well. I think I'm like very happy with the sideboard, and you know maybe with a little tighter play, a couple more good matchups, and a little extra luck, I think I could have at least top 16, maybe even top 8ed. Uh, so real quick, the list which we'll have a link to is you know 20 lands, one breeding pool, two islands, Minamo, our favorite, two Misties, four Tarns, two Foothills, four Saga, two Steam Vents, two Mountain, two Islands. So just okay. sleek 20, very easy. Four Bobble, four Amber, four Darcy, four Heat, Aether, Spellbomb, Brainstone, Shatter, Spear, and Drum. I know that like Zach is, I Brainstone is a funny card, but it's pretty low. I know it could be Pythic Needle. I mean, it's probably the same, but you know, just like sometimes fetching Needle off of a Saga can like cheese out your opponent or really help. But I've had, I actually had uh, three wins where I had like, I had one combo piece in hand and it was turn four. My Saga was going off and so I Saga got me the Brainstone. I activated the Brainstone and I hit the other combo piece and I was able to combo off on turn four thanks to Brainstone. So that is, that's actually been pretty relevant to me. So that's the only reason I keep it. Uh, you know, Shadow Spear is nuts. If Shadow Spear were banned, I think Saga would be much less playable, which is like the most hilarious thing ever. That like, I think Shadow Spear is a huge linchpin for Saga strategies. And then Aether Spellbomb is so good right now, especially with Emery. Uh, one Oracle, four Breach, four Iteration, four Grinding Station, four Emery, three Abuke, and a Brazen Borrower. Uh, my sideboard I really love is three Spell Pierce, two Force of Negation, one Urza, just for fun, one Prismari Command, three Bolt, three EE, Python Needle and a Tormod script. Maybe I'm missing something. Can you explain the one breeding pool? EE. Ah, uh, okay. That was exactly what I was missing. Thank you. Yeah, it's just I, you know, like... And like, specifically for um, Leyline of the Void, right? Uh, I mean... That's what you'd want to go to 4-4? Four, four? Uh, it, it only takes it up to 3. Hmm? It, it only yeah. takes it up to 3. Oh, right. You're on straight, is it? Yeah, what is that for? I what mean, do you want to kill on 3? I don't know. I've had times where just like I really wish I had. <laughs> you have Springleaf Drum. You yeah. have Springleaf Drum. You can get four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like I, I, it's not reliable. You can in theory, but like I wouldn't. Well, no, but like if you're, I, I don't know. I, it, it, I don't. But yeah, I, I think four is an important number to get to, um, if you're gonna sideboard uh, engineered explosives or prismatic endings. Um, yeah, I. That's fair. I mean, just. I can't even really explain it. I just know for the longest time I didn't have breeding pool and I've, I lost multiple games and multiple matches because I needed to eat on three for like the most absurd and random reasons. Like, you know, sometimes they just have like, I, they, I don't know. I, don't, I can't even, oh, yeah, I can't even explain it. But I, <laughs> I distinctly remember losing multiple games because I didn't have access to EE on three. Uh, so it's relatively free. And yeah, honestly, I love the deck. It was a lot of fun. Uh, nine rounds of magic, actually. I mean, I had a buy essentially, so eight, but... It's not easy. It's hard. Like, it just to sit in your computer and, like, do these things. I was able... Luckily, you know, I wasn't on some kind of insane, super grindy deck where, like, none of my matches went even close to time. I always had at least five to ten minutes to take some... To, you know, to chill a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I'm going to keep messing with this. This is... If I ever get to play in a big tournament and, like, nothing super shifts, this is definitely the deck I'm going to play. I feel very confident in my skills with it. I really enjoy the play style. And yeah, this is, you know, I kind of mentioned this previously, but this is still, this text helped me kind of fall in love with Modern again and kind of rediscover that I am a dirty combo player and I'm pretty proud of it. All right. Well, uh, with that, I think, um, Zach, you do that thing that you do so well. Do, do that crazy voodoo that I do? Uh-huh. You know. The one that's all about the bumps and dumps!
Oops. Yeah. Uh, Arun, yeah. it looks like you have uh, some note here. Why don't oh, you yeah. uh, kick I'll... us off? Bump Always us have... off. Always have bumps, sometimes have dumps. Uh, bumps to fresh fruit. Uh, you know, I love fresh fruit, especially peaches and nectarines. Uh, my favorite, especially now that it's peaches and nectarines season. Sadly, it's coming to an end. Uh, but also bumps uh, to passion fruit. I did not realize that passion fruit season is now until I went to my local market and saw some. Uh, bumps, <laughs> extra bumps to deep fried passion fruit curd pie. You know, I picked up passion fruit on kind of on kind what? of a whim. And then it's like, okay, these are, you know, because I know that I love passion fruit, but don't know what to do with it. And I Googled, what do you do with passion fruit? And it's like, everyone's like, curd, 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 curd. Uh, so I made some curd. And it's like, damn, this is like next level delicious. Like, what do we do with it? And I talked previous, I talked a long time ago about how I like to make deep fried apple pies. And apples are sweet and apples are good. But like apples, I don't know, you know, apples are... I personally think apples are a lower tier fruit than like most other fresh fruits. You know, I just think they're like less flavorful. I do like that they're nice and crisp. That's definitely a plus, but you know, they're not my favorite kind of fruit. But then I kind of had this realization. It's like I can make the fruit, the deep fried pie dough and I can make a different filling. I don't have to put the apple pie filling in the, fr in the pie. I can put it where I want to. Uh, and so I was like, oh shit, I can put the passion fruit curd in the pies. And so I did, I put the passion fruit curd in the pies and then I fried them and it was like insane. It was just so, passion fruit's like cheating. It's so good. It's, it's, oh man, it was, it was, it was so good. I, I loved it. It's, it's, uh, it's a weird fruit to get your hands on for the first time. So, but, so uh, wrinkly. Anyway. And then I got to say, uh, big dumps to Tlingstone peaches. So there's, uh, peaches, there's a whole bunch of different types of peaches. But essentially, the, one of the properties of peaches is either they separate easy from the pit or they don't. Like, if you have a, if you have a freestone peach, you can cut it in half and then twist it like an avocado and the pit falls right out. Uh, Tlingstone peaches, it does not. And, you know, I'm still desperate enough. I will eat Tlingstone peaches because, like, I love a fresh peach, especially during season. But it's just so much nicer to just, like, take off, this, take off the peach skin, cut it in half, and then twist it, and then take out the pit, and you've got two beautiful peach halves. Now with Lingstone peaches, you know, they can't be that pretty. You kind of have to slice them off of the pit because they don't just fall off of it. Which, you know, I don't like. It's less pretty, especially if you're trying to make, like, sliced peaches for pies or something. But if I'm just putting them in my oatmeal and my granola and yogurt in the morning, I'm desperate enough that I'll do it. So did I just, uh, am I to understand that you take the skin off of your peach as well? Yes, I do. Okay, okay. My wife does that as well. I don't know. I, I thought that it was normal to you just eat the skin. Like People take the skin off peaches? Like okay. when you're Oof. not using them for food prep? No, you just rinse the thing and you eat it. It's delicious. Yeah, well, I mean, well, this is like I take off the skin and then I slice it up and put it, like, anyways, I slice it up and I put it on my granola or put it in my mm. thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, sure. each, yeah, I just. Is it because it's I like fuzzy? I mean, I, I have taken the skin off peaches when I'm going to cook with them. Like if I'm going to make syrup or if I'm going to mm -hmm. make candied peaches or something like that, yeah, I'll take the skin off. But otherwise, if I'm just eating it raw, I'm never going to take... I'm never yeah, gonna I mean, if I'm just like going to... Oh, I'm going to snack on a peach. I will definitely just take a bite of the peach. Wait, but so do, do okay, you skin okay. it somehow or do you... Um, what, what's the thing? You throw it in blanch it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yep, yep. Blanch it. Yeah, yeah I blanch you, it. You blanch it. Yep. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because I was like trying to actually skin a peach sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah. no, no. You definitely... definitely <laughs> Way too slippery it. for that. Yeah. 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 So 
Yeah, I do. I take the in the mornings. If I'm not gonna, if I'm not gonna eat a peach out of my bare hand, I will take off. I will blanch it and take off the skin, and I have no regrets or apologies. <laughs> I, I I have no horse in this race either way. It was just something that like I had never considered to. No, skin I just my never peach. considered it. Yeah. Like unless you were like doing some real cooking. Yeah, I mean it's just nice because like, you slice up and you just put it on. It makes it easy to slice up and then just put it on top of your yogurt and granola. You know, like I said, I totally, don't do it totally. for like if I'm just gonna. I want to snack on a peach or like I want to snack on this nectarine. I will just do it. But you know, if we got a little extra time in the morning and gonna put it on top of something, I'll definitely do it. Well, you Zach, you got any bumps? Any dumps? Um, the world of, I don't know. Everything, everything's going really good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I, I uh, everything's been cooking along nicely, and Sweet. I don't have any. Uh, particular praise or 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 grapes right now it's just uh so well okay we could we could give uh dumps to the encroaching cold weather it really snapped on real quick in the last uh basically in the last week (laughs) uh i can still go running outside without having to like i can still just wear like a t-shirt and and shorts to go running outside but uh it is quickly transitioning into that awkward place where like you 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 go have to check the check the temperature and like that isn't enough information so i have to go out on the balcony and kind of stand in the sun and be like is it actually gonna feel like 20 degrees or is it gonna feel like 10 degrees uh, celsius yeah (laughs) so is it gonna feel like 70 degrees or is it gonna feel like 50 degrees when i go running because the route i take i go down by the lake and often the cold water yep. or the cold air coming off Lake Ontario is really cold. Yep. And it's right at the beginning of my run. And then as, as soon as I get away from the lake, I'm protected from all the cold air by, you know, trees and stuff. And then I get too hot if I bring a sweater or something like that. So it's just, mm. you know, very, very much, uh, very much first world problems with my, with my run comfort. Fair, um, fair. Which I'm not, yeah. Um, but soon enough, I'll be running with a hat on and a balaclava and uh all sorts of stuff because it'll be winter again and let me tell you something for anyone who does not live in like a true horrifying winter climate um going and running in the winter is not a problem the worst part in my opinion is the end because there's nothing worse than having to take off layers of sweaty clothing Mm -hmm. yeah 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 once you're out there and you're doing it it's fine it's basically kind of like running in the summer you just like you know you're just carrying a little you know excess baggage on you but it's the coming home and having to peel off layers yep, yep. of of sweaty stuff. That's that's the worst. Um, Amen. I, I I gotta hear Brian's bumps. Uh, I'm gonna actually start with dumps. Um, so I, I oh. a, after hearing your uh, your cold weather season, that does uh, bring me to my dumps. I don't live in a place with a uh, significant winter. I live in the purgatory of constant <laughs> temperate weather. Uh, but in the winter, taking off a wet wetsuit. In, in the cold is quite miserable. So that's my experience. Of, that's like my equivalent of taking off the layers of sweaty clothes. It's, it's very similar. So, it's yeah. very similar. But the surf is so much better in the winter. So um, ah. that's, that's the uh, that's the duality there. Uh, but I will give a big bumps to good grills. I recently uh, acquired a good Kamado grill. And if you're not is familiar with a Kamado... It is basically, yeah. Um, I got one called a Kamado Joe. It's just a different brand, but uh, mm. I didn't know much about these before I got one. Um, apparently, it's three thousand year old technology, uh, and it's basically just it's a ceramic grill. Um, it's it's kind of considered an outdoor oven. Uh, the ceramic means that it retains its heat incredibly well, and it also is very like temperature stable. And yeah, it's kind of like like the technology you're talking about. Isn't that like they used to essentially dig a giant hole? 
and then throw in a whole bunch of wood, light the wood on fire, and throw a bunch of stones in, let them get super hot, bury them, and let them get super hot, bury it, and then dig it out, and then you throw in your, like, your stuff wrapped in banana leaves or wrapped in whatever you want, and put it back in, and you just, like, get this underground oven that bakes it, and I think it's a pretty similar concept. Yeah, same idea, I think, um, but I... Having used, you know, like Weber grills or like gas grills that are like Mm -hmm. made of, you know, aluminum or steel or whatever they're made of, they just like bleed heat so much. And so there's a lot of work that goes into grilling when you're using one of these. I just smoked uh, a pork shoulder yesterday and I got my coals started. I put the pork shoulder on it. I didn't touch anything for four hours. And then I wrapped it in some foil and put it back. And like, I didn't have to add any new coals. I didn't have to try and adjust the temperature at all. Like it was basically set and forget. And uh, I ended up with some delicious pulled pork. And because I didn't have to do anything, like I now understand, you know, if you want to have people over and grill in the backyard, uh, in my mind, that was like, oh, I'm going to be cooking all day. I don't get to interact with the guests, you know, like, yep, yep. yeah, we're all going to be mm-hmm. hanging out outside, mm-hmm. but like I'm tethered to this grill. Yesterday, I took my oh, son yeah. to the park a couple blocks away because I didn't have to worry about anything. So good yeah. grill, nice. total game changer. Pre, pre-batch pre cocktails before a party. Do not try to be a bartender. Good idea, party. yeah. That's a, a great idea. Good. No, no, it's, it's, just a, it's just a great way to spend uh, 20 minutes out of every hour not interacting with people or having any fun. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, big no. bumps to good grills. Um, luckily, my grilling mm-hmm. season never ends here, as uh, discussed with oh, the yeah. that is temperate <laughs> weather. Well, uh, I think this was a good one. Definitely, I agree. Uh, we, I've got, I've got some, uh, I've got some promises to live up to. I got to go make a song of creation, yeah. uh, otherworldly gaze Your turn. list. So stay, stay tuned for that. If you want to uh, check out the developments as they're coming along, I'm sure we'll tweet them out on Serum Visions, uh, MTG. I'm sure you, you'll, uh, you'll be good about linking up when I'm testing those ideas. Oh yes, and I'm sure we'll be back in about two weeks to talk about anything uh, awesome that's been going on since. Or then. So the I will trophies see you we will then. get with your oh. underworld oh. gaze uh, song list. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess it's time to gaze into the abyss and see if the abyss uh, waves back. Let's do it. I'm down. All right, all right. Well, I'll see you, gentlemen, in a couple weeks. Catch you later, guys. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to episode 27 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg, email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com, or join us on Discord from the link in the episode description of your podcast player or at serumvisions.podbean.com. Um, jeez, I'm blah, 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 blah.